Hello, and welcome to the IQT podcast. I'm Dylan George, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Caitlin Rivers, as a co-host for a special B-Next series on outbreak analytics and forecasting. You may be asking yourself, what is outbreak analytics and forecasting? Well, Caitlin and I will explore the topic with you. In this series, we will investigate what it is, how it has been used to help with pandemic response efforts, and what we need to improve these capabilities. Along the way, we will chat with a range of special guests who have developed or used advanced analytics for decision-making during outbreaks. These guests include world-class modelers that have worked to help understand pandemics and people who have been leading responses. We'll also talk with people working on technologies that could be useful for collecting, cleaning, aggregating, and analyzing data, the data that are needed for outbreak analytics and forecasting. So I think it'll be a fun series and we're excited about it and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Dylan George. I'm a vice president at BNEX, which is the biodefense initiative from IQT focused on preparing for and mitigating biological threats that impact national security. I'm joined on the podcast by a special guest today, Nicholas Kruchin, who is a resident expert in data visualization and a vice president of product at Plotly, which is a IQT portfolio company. In this conversation with Nicholas, we will be talking about their company and technology and specifically what Plotly is doing to help with the COVID-19 response. Nicholas, thank you for being here. We appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm always uh, always glad to talk about uh, what we do. Well, we definitely know that data is the lifeblood of public health and guiding responses. We need technologies at all levels to make sure that data flows and can support decision-making. But visualizing data is particularly challenging. I remember when I was working on my PhD dissertation, I was bemoaning the fact that it took X amount of time to do the actual analysis. It took 2X time to write it up and 4X time to generate a really good figure. Now, that might have been me and my, and my specific limitations and skills in, in doing visualizations, but I would wager visualizations are more challenging to get right and make compelling than most would realize. Given how important visualizations are, I'm excited to talk about Plotly and what they ha- are doing to make this process easier. First, Nicholas, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background and why are you working on visualizations and what led you to Plotly? Sure. So I'm a software developer. I'm a data scientist. I'm a data visualizer. Uh, How I got here is actually a little bit interesting. I have a degree in civil engineering, but within that, I was always most interested in modeling and visualizing the outputs of models. So I studied uh, intelligent transportation systems. That took me uh, on kind of a, an interesting path. I work in uh, operational excellence for a telecommunications company, and I spent a number of years at a machine learning company. But throughout this, I realized that the, the part of my job I loved the most was visualizing the outputs of what we were doing and, and using data visualization to communicate those outputs uh, with stakeholders. Uh, and that's what naturally led me to Plotly. Uh, that's what we do at Plotly. That's what I do all day long. So, uh, so that's how I got here. Nice. Very cool. It's always fun to hear people's uh, trajectories in their careers. At a high level, you talk about enabling visualizations for machine learning in particular and making it easier to deploy visualizations generally across an enterprise. How does Plotly help make these visualizations easier to generate them and then also to share them? 
Sure. So Plotly is a software company. And what we do is we build uh, software tools, what we call low-code tools, for uh, scientists, engineers, journalists, data scientists, data journalists to build and share data visualizations. So drilling into that a little bit, the, the low-code part is pretty important. Our tools are software tools, and our users uh, are, are programmers, but not necessarily expert programmers. So as you said, it's very difficult to make a figure. And it's actually probably squared the, 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 the level of difficulty when you want to make an <laughs> interactive figure. Uh, and yes. so our goal is to make sure that the technology gets out of the way. Uh, we, we sort of spend a lot of time tackling the hard problems and wrapping it up in a way which is accessible to non-experts and to experts alike so that they can you know, produce the visualization they need to produce to uh, either analyze data themselves, uh, share it you know, internally within a small group of people, or share it more broadly uh, with, with the public at large on the web. And so everything we do uh, focuses around sort of those dimensions, interactive visualizations that you can interact with with your mouse, uh, low-code, easy-to-make visualizations, so you can make them without being an expert in every web technology, and then shareable, uh, ideally on the web, be it on an intranet via email or on the on the public internet. Yeah, no, it was it was just this brought up one one thought that I had as well is that when I again when I was working on my dissertation, I was asked to put together a just a basic SIR model, which is a susceptible infectious recovered kind of model that helps describe uh, disease dynamics in a population. Uh, for a class and helping support a uh, professor do uh, a class. It took me half a day to write up the model. It took me the rest of the week to actually come up with the user interface so that it was actually e easy to use. It was just uh, when you talked about that, you know, squared kind of functionality of generating good interactive visualizations. It's, it's, not, it's not straightforward. So these are really impressive tools to actually help you do that. <clears throat> And, and that is exactly the problem that we're tackling. You know, we want to make sure that, that that ratio is flipped around so you can spend the bulk of your week doing the part that is that is sort of your unique expertise. And then when it comes to communication, obviously, you need to put a lot of thought into like exactly what you want to communicate and how. But the technology piece, the like, why isn't this button launching this function? That part should never fail. And that part is the part that, that, that Plotly brings to the table. That's awesome. So as, as we said earlier, data are critical for public health and healthcare. Uh, and especially in guiding the COVID response, it has been a persistent and an acute problem of how to understand, to collect the data, but also to visualize the data to understand how to make uh, really good decisions to, to keep us all safe. So you all saw an opportunity to help in the COVID response using the technology that you have developed at Plotly. Uh, can you describe a little bit about how you all have been, what you all have been doing and how you've been helping out? Yeah. So Plotly is actually a little bit of a unique company in that we're what we call an open core company. So the core of our software is actually open source. It's free to download. It's on GitHub. Anybody can, can grab it and use it. And one of the main ways that we have been sort of seeing our, our contribution to the COVID response is making sure that uh, everybody, be they our customers or not, has access to this technology. And so one of the ways that we contribute is a little bit indirect is literally we help anyone and everyone, everyone who wants uh, help using our technology to visualize their data. Uh, to do so, and that actually has some uh, some quite surprising effects. You know, every day we sort of pop open Twitter or pop open Google and 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 look at various dashboards and be like, hey, that's a that's a Plotly dashboard. So you know, the Johns <laughs> yeah. Hopkins uh, COVID response website, many of those charts are are made with Plotly technologies. Uh, various public health institutions, so you know, the the Singapore Public Health Institution, their dashboard is made with Plotly. The uh, government of Alberta, so various governments are using Plotly. 
We're also working sort of formally and informally with various data journalists who are trying to grab novel sources of data. So data on transit usage or streetlight data and sort of massaging it and visualizing it and presenting it to either uh, the, the general public or people in, in their local organization who need to make decisions based on this. So we view uh, our role in, in the fight against COVID similarly to our role in sort of uh, providing tools for visualization. It's just making it easier and making sure the technology gets out of the way. Uh, and, and that has, has, uh, has bubbled through in, in all sorts of really surprising places, uh, which is very gratifying. Yeah, it's been exciting to see how it's been used and how it's been helpful to a, a wide array of people. And, you know, on your website, you have this really, um, you have a couple examples of dash dashboards that you've developed. And I was particularly impressed with one that you all put together for clinical analytics. In, in that particular dashboard, you were showing wait times by depart, by hospital department, the patient volumes in those particular places by time, and you could easily move among the different clinics. You could interact with the data. There was also another one that I, th I found that was very fun. Um, well, maybe not. It was it was grim. It was a it was the dash uh, dashboard for drug induced poisoning deaths. And, and and clearly it was a, a grim topic area, um, given the opioid crisis uh, in particular and the mortality impacts specifically for those families. But the thing that was really empowering from that was the visualization was incredibly easy to use. It was amazingly intuitive. And the thing that I found to be most fun about it, it, it made me start quickly wanting to ask different questions about the data. And it's always been exciting to me to see visualizations that make you want to ask questions and explore the data. And that's what I've been so um, excited about with Plotly is the tools allow you to do that and start thinking about the data versus just being bombarded with it. Exactly. So, you know, I've said that we, uh, we specialize in building data visualization tools. And the part that I find the most exciting is that our users are using our tools to build other tools to empower others. So we're part of this long chain of, uh, of empowerment around data uh, using visualization and interactive web tools. So you know some of our visualizations are maps, some of them are charts, some of them include dropdowns, and everything is interconnected. And, uh, and as you say, you know, we love it when people are able to, to dive in and not feel fettered. You know, I don't have to go write more code to see this, uh, this variation on this. Um, you know, when, when I worked uh, at, a, at a telecommunications company, uh, I would present a visualization and, you know, 99 times out of 100, the, the answer was, but can you slice that by urban and rural? Yes. You know, but can yes. you slice that by east versus west? And the ability to just say, yes, click on this button and to quickly build an application that can answer those questions easily, um, I think is really important. And especially in, uh, in a situation like COVID or like this pandemic, when sort of time matters, it's important to be yes. able to build these applications quickly in a day, in a couple of days, not... Uh, sort of design something and then put together a team and then it takes six months to build an application. Uh, and so the, the low-code rapid application development uh, aspect of, of our Dash technology is really critical here. Yeah, you know, I think that's really well said. And I think that that's uh, really something that we should emphasize is that not only the development of the app in terms of being able to release and let the data speak, but also what you were talking about in terms of being able to actually scrutinize the data and visualize it very quickly on the fly. I don't know, I mean, both when I was uh, interacting with my advisor during my dissertation and then 
Subsequently, when I worked in the federal government and talking with uh, so, several seniors about um, different data that we were working on, uh, particularly during the Ebola response, yeah, the turnaround times on creating a new visualization was, you know, hours to days. And as you, you beautifully point out, in, in an outbreak, time literally is uh, people and, and money. And so it's uh, having, having, being able to do that quickly is really critical. So how has, um, I mean, clearly there's been a wide array of people that have been using your, your tools and presenting them in different ways. Uh, uh, what, have, what are some of the other ones that have you, you've been particularly excited about? Yes, yeah, so we worked with um, our partners at Socrata and Tyler Tech to uh, make available uh, a data set on nursing homes uh, that has been downloaded over 250,000 times um, to help understand how the COVID outbreak uh, is sort mm. of rippling, rippling through the population and through this vulnerable population in nursing homes especially. And so this this data and the associated dashboard that we helped them build really helps sort of personalize this. So one of the the, the most important things that sort of people in the general public and even even experts will do when confronted with either a novel data set or a dashboard is sort of try and relate it to themselves. And so we made it as mm. easy as possible to sort of find yourself either by your zip code or a nursing home that you have a loved one who lives at to be able to really sort of like understand how this data relates to you. Um, and and people have been uh, have been really, really, I mean, excited is the wrong word, but like relieved to be able to have access to this data. Um, and and to sort of see the transparency um, that 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 comes from the federal government in this case. So this data comes from uh, the data.cms.gov uh, website. And so those these efforts have been uh, have been quite well received uh, overall. In terms of working directly with public health agencies, you know, uh, as I said, we work mostly indirectly by enabling uh, people to use our technology. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's actually it's actually kind of curious. You know, much of the time, the the sort of help requests we get on our community forum are anonymous. It's some sort of username with some mm-hmm. letters and numbers, and we don't know. Um, and then a little while later, we find out that it's actually, you know, someone who works for the public health agency in Singapore and is making some some website that's going to be, you know, critical to helping their citizens understand what's going on. Um, and so in that sense, we're, we're sort of working at one remove, but um, but we really feel like we're working kind of at the base of the problem to make sure that everyone has access to uh, to the information they need. Yeah, no, and it's, I mean, it's so important. Uh, I mean, being able to understand where the uh, pathogen is spreading, how it's spreading, and who it's impacting, and what are those high-risk groups. And so when you when you mentioned the nursing homes or these long-term care facilities, you know, early on in the outbreak, they were so critical um, in terms of protecting individuals and residents that were uh, in those facilities so that they could, you know, be safe and that uh, our loved ones could, could be there as well because they clearly were a high-risk uh, population. And so it's been very gratifying to see that in uh, a lot of jurisdictions, mitigations have been put into place to control infection of people coming into those facilities uh, so that there isn't as high a mortality in, in those places. And, and having visualizations and, and knowing how that was going forward, you know, even just if it's a small part, uh, was, you know, is, is a great contribution. And so uh, yeah, thank you for, for making that happen in that way as well. We're, we're happy to help however we can. Yeah. So what what are you all working on next? What's the kind of next interesting thing that you guys are, are doing? That's a great question. So what we're working on next, I would say, again, is sort of focused on speed, but on on two different aspects of speed. So number one, one of the one of the sort of worst parts of this outbreak is that it's impacting more and more people. Uh, and and one of the uh, one of the sort of connections to data, there's just more and more data uh, that that we need to that we need to work with. 
Um, and so working with big data is a challenge, uh, is a challenge at the best of times. Uh, it's a challenge with data visualization. And so we are working on uh, connecting our tools to other open source tools that are uh, that enable data scientists and scientists to work with very large data sets. So data sets that don't fit on a single laptop for which you need a cluster uh, to, to analyze. And so we're working with our partners at NVIDIA, uh, makers of uh, graphics cards and, and GPUs, to, to enable uh, faster processing of, of large data sets. And we're also working on a different element of speed, which is what I was talking about, the sort of development speed. So there is a certain category of analytical application, which we call cross-filtering, where basically you, know, you have a number of linked views and you select something on one and all of the views uh, update to reflect the subset that you've selected to really help you sort of hone in on and, and drill down on the, the specific subset of the data that you'd like to either ask questions about or use for downstream processing. Um, and so this is kind of answering that classical question of sort of what if you slice this by, you know, so sometimes when you look at state level data, you need to look at something uh, you know, a state is often dominated by one of its largest cities. So you'd like to sort of look at the, the state level data, but excluding the central city um, or, or slicing it by ethnicity or slicing it by people who have recently come in from abroad or something like this. And so we're working on software tools that make it easier to write that kind of application um, to go all the way to no code. So I've mentioned that, you know, most of our uh, most of our tools so far work in a sort of low code way. You do have to program, but you don't have to program much. Uh, we're looking sort of across that barrier into empowering people who don't program at all to build and use uh, these kinds of dashboards uh, that connect to these high-performance data processing platforms mm -hmm. such as NVIDIA Rapids. Yeah, that I mean, it's it's a bit of a benign kind of description of of uh, calling it cross-filtering, and um, but it is amazingly powerful. And I think again, going back to your example on um, opioid poisoning. There is a, a beautiful example of this cross-filtering where you have a map on one visualization, then you have bar charts on the other to kind of look at what's going on. And you can easily select. It was I was actually having too much fun with that and just selecting different places that I've lived to try to see what the data look like for those particular regions. And the ease with which you could select those on the map and see what was popping up in the bar charts. Again, it was it was enabling me to start asking different questions of, well, why there and why not here? And, and so it, it allows you to transcend what you're seeing right there and ask new questions. And it was just beautifully done and seamlessly. Uh, and so while cross-filtering sounds like a very wonkish kind of uh, uh, not super exciting term, it uh, for people that, that uh, haven't seen it done before, it is a really impressive and it is very fast and very slick. Um, um, I encourage people to go to the website, the Plotly website and play around with it because it's very fun. So Nicholas, um, you, you've given us a couple of examples about how your technology has been used. Uh, how else has your technology been used in uh, supporting COVID efforts? The way I think about how to best use data visualization technology uh, in the fight against COVID specifically is sort of thinking about the decision loop uh, that, that, that people often go through. And so it's been modeled as sort of plan, do, check, act, where you have to look at the situation uh, in, in front of you. And clearly in something like an outbreak uh, situation, you can't just look out the window and get a real picture of what's going on. You have to look at data sources that have been collected you know, across space, across time, and sort of really reason about, about the data. And, and this is one place where uh, data visualization technology and Plotly's Dash technology specifically uh, can and has been used to sort of help people understand the situation today. Then you have to kind of plan out an intervention. Uh, and so here, visualization technology can be used uh, to sort of gather up and compare and contrast uh, forecast models 
of, you know, what did this model say three weeks ago and how did this compare to what it looks like today? And what is this model now saying? Is this model an outlier among models? Um, and so trying to understand sort of looking forward what might happen. And then when you plan an intervention, you want to look at, well, is it working? Did it have the effect I intended? Did it have any effect? Did it have uh, effects I didn't intend, good or bad? And so data visualization technologies and Dash has been used to look at sort of novel data sources from the point of view of, of an outbreak, um, data sources like transit usage data. So there's uh, there are companies who build applications to help people find their way around the city. They collect a lot of usage information about uh, you know, are people going places? You've got uh, cell phone location data, you've got streetlight data, um, because there's all sorts of urban sensors all over the world. Um, and so folks are using Dash to visualize uh, the way that, that interventions uh, that are being put in place by public health agencies are actually rippling through in the real world. So when, uh, um, you know, so some authority says, please shelter in place, do people actually do that? Do people do that differentially based on the part of town they live in, the kind of job that they have? Um, and then you can use that to feed into the next cycle of plan, do, check, act. You can use that to feed into contact tracing. Uh, and so at every step of that loop, uh, decision makers need access to data. And the best way to provide access to data uh, is via interactive applications, which you can build with Dash. Yeah, no, that, that's a, a really great example of of thinking about how to use visualizations at various stages in the the response. I think that's a great example. Yeah. So, Nicholas, if people are interested in learning more about you or the, your company or um, the technology the that, that Plotly is putting together, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, I'm glad you asked. So we are uh, we are easy to reach. We're at plotly.com. We have a very active community forum at community.plotly.com where people ask questions and help each other out. Uh, we are available on Twitter at, at plotlygraphs. Um, I am personally available on Twitter at, at Nicholas Krushton. Um, and you can find out about us on the About page of our website. Um, you can also find uh, all of our open core technologies on GitHub at github.com slash plotly. Um, and you can follow us on Medium at medium.com slash Well, Nicholas, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I know how busy you all are, but it was exciting to learn more about your company, your technology, and how you've been helping out with COVID-19, because clearly visualizations are a challenge, and what you all are doing is making it so much easier uh, to do very quickly. And uh, thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Be safe and be kind. Thank you for listening to today's episode as a part of the Be Next Outbreak Analytics and Forecasting series. Please make sure to subscribe to the IQT podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Podbean to be kept up to date on new episodes. For more information on Be Next, visit www.benext.org. A special thank you to Carrie Sessing and the absolutely wonderful Kristen Zender from IQT's marketing team and to our friends at HeartCast Media for serving as our recording studio. Thanks for listening and take care.